There we go. <laughs> How's your day going? It's raining. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, it's been it's been a good day. Um, my I have a son home from uh, school right now. Obviously, it's going through lots of close contacts. So he's he's been uh, powering through his work in the morning and playing Minecraft in the afternoon. So <laughs> his, his mom just took him to get his his test to, to see if he's got it, but we're pretty sure he doesn't. But we will how, see. How old is he? Uh, 10. 10. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's the age they're getting it. That's <laughs> true. Yeah. So Evan, what is your story? Yeah. Um, my, I'm a community guy. Okay. Um, I was for the first 10 years of my life, vocationally a pastor. So I worked with students and then I started a small group here in the neighborhood of Mahogany where we wanted to live life together mm -hmm. and really invest in the neighborhood. And so we did that. And, uh, I, uh, along the way, I like really fell in love with community work, um, kind of always had that bent. Uh, so I was teaming up with the homeowners association, the community association wrote a grant for a neighboring initiative. I was just getting my fingers in all the community stuff uh, and just loving it. And then uh, about a year ago now, I was at a crossroads. And uh, so I, I knew Councillor Keating from from writing the grant and interacting with him. I knew the former MLA, Rick Frazier, um, from him coming out to community events. And they were both whispering, hey, Evan, you should give this a look. Um, like we need good leaders for the future of the city. Councillor Keating's not going to be running again. You should give this a solid look. So Councillor Keating asked me to join his office just to kind of look under the hood. Um, and then I found out that, uh, you know, Rick was, um, not, he hadn't pulled himself out of contention. I was like, well, I'd way rather have Rick run than me. So I didn't find out about it until about a month and a half ago, um, if Rick wasn't going to run. So that was crunch time. Uh, talked to the neighbors, uh, of course had to convince the wife and, uh, there was a lot of dominoes that need to, to fall and they did one by one. And so I decided to jump off that cliff. Um, ultimately I feel what I bring, um, that, uh, is a sense of optimism about the future of Calgary, which is hopefully gonna be refreshing for the people of Ward 12. Um, obviously we have problems, we have issues to fix. Um, we're in a tough spot in a variety of different ways, but uh, I believe in what is possible when residents come together that really believe in the city and the place that they live. I mean, that starts for me at the neighborhood level, but when you, you that, that scales, right? Mm -hmm. That the neighborhood is, is an amazing agent for change, right? You oh, can yeah. small enough to organize, you can bring people together and make a difference in your own hood. Mm -hmm. And then, and then that can scale up to the municipal level. So I'm excited to potentially bring that. I've gotten to get, get involved in a variety of different things where it would have been like way up here over my head, but then just working through it, learning from industry, learning from, my neighbors learning from the counselor and from administration, you know, these problems are not insurmountable. They just require people that are willing to do some hard work and, and believe in the future of this city. What is your ward wanting or what is your community wanting from its counselor that you believe? Yeah, I think one of the things they are, I'm really hearing a lot of is they just want someone who's accessible. Uh, I think that's part of uh, part of just what happens when someone's been in in office for a long period of time and has had a long tenure, it just it begins to get harder and harder to feel like that person is is there and with you and walking with you. So I mean I, I would look at 
I would point to the fact that this is work that I've been doing the last five, six years. Like, it's just natural for me. You don't have to force it for me to interact with the people of Ward 12. Um, certainly, I've focused on one neighborhood, but I, I look forward to getting to know the other neighborhoods as best as possible. So I, I think they're all wanting a counselor that's going to really listen and really uh, commit commit themselves to understanding the lived experience that they that they have in their neighborhoods and then to, to advocate for them to really go to bat for them and to make sure that they're you know he or she is fairly representing their voices when it comes to voting time at council and uh, making decisions at city hall mm-hmm. the world is at a chaotic point but when we focus on our city as a whole what do you think you can bring as a counselor for small businesses? Yeah, good question. Um, that's an area where I feel like there's a lot I need to learn because uh, I've been I've been deeply entrenched in community work. Um, I've I've seen the value and the benefit of small businesses. So very early on, I've already been talking to to folks that live and breathe this. Um, so I would be looking at. Uh, starting initiatives and backing really, really smart people that think well around this. Like I'm not the expert um, when it comes to small businesses. So I would be looking to circle the fences with some people that think creatively and really well around how to till the soil to make the kind of environment where a small business can thrive. I would be pointing to work that, I mean, we're just hearing right now um, and seeing right now, it was released today a brand new web portal on the city of Calgary that uh, helps small businesses go through the whole process. And I've heard actually from a variety of different angles that this is a, an area that Calgary knew they needed to, to pick up the slack and is, is now doing that and excelling at it. So it'd be aligning myself with initiatives like that and, and looking for even more creative solutions to, to really speak to um, the needs of the, of the small business community to be a conduit for them, right? Knowing that like, I don't own a small business, I don't do that, um, I don't have interests in that area as of yet, um, I, I just want to, to, to be the best neighbor possible, and many of my neighbors run small businesses. What are your thoughts on the increase of property taxes and business taxes? I mean, it's, it's a sad inevitability when you end up with 30% vacancy downtown. I mean, that revenue, that lost revenue has to come from somewhere. Um, it's, you know, it, it was going to happen. Uh, you can either cut, cut uh, on expenses, which I think there's some creative ways that we could do that. Um, there's a variety of things that we could look at, um, or we're going to have to continue to revitalize our economy and look to incentivize different ways of bringing businesses back in. I mean, I, I think one of the quickest ways out of a tough situation is not to bury your head in the sand and to just start playing the blame game, but to, to focus on positive solutions. Uh, I, I believe the development community here in Calgary really is invested, uh, even though it's, they'll, they'll, tell, they'll tell you, and you when you talk to them, it's been difficult over the last stretch. They're very invested. They want to they want to help Calgary through this tough. So even when you think of like the downtown plan right now, where they're investing money, it sounds like they have people that are willing willing to continue to put money into our downtown, even in its beleaguered state. Right, that downtown plan that they have going on right now to inject that money in to kind of re 
reconstruct the, the ground floor level of those buildings so that it feels completely different and brings back vibrancy and uh, revitalizes uh, key corners of our downtown. I think those are really smart moves and it's worked in places like Detroit and Kansas City. So power to them. And I think they're, they're thinking well, and I really hope that we'll be celebrating some successes in short, in short term. When we look at Flint, we look at Michigan, do you see Calgary on the way to, to that path in certain areas? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it's funny. I, I was talking with a neighbor, not even two, three years ago, thinking about, you know, like what, what would happen if oil really, really took a bad turn for an extended period of time? Like, could we end up like Detroit? Yeah. And I've, I've ridden my, I like rode my bike through um, Shepherd Industrial uh, a couple times last summer, just exploring the pathway system. And you see these empty lots, right? Where that used to be full of steel girders and um, construction materials for the, the oil field, just empty and desolate. Like you totally could play, you know, a music track and the tumbleweed going through. It's a little, it's a little creepy. It's a little scary. Um, but I, I mean, in that state is also opportunities, right? There, and, and I think that's where Calgary's at right now is we, we need to, to choose not to accept the negative narratives about the future of this city and to choose positive and forward thinking and then mobilize for that kind of action well i think here's the battle you know you've got the the past where it was so great for alberta yeah jobs were here money was flowing life was good Mm -hmm. and then chaos struck with the markets first off the economic collapse and now covid people are saying well we want to go back to what it was like and obviously yourself, Evan, you're saying, well, we need to look at the future. How is there a fine balance of bringing the past alongside with the future? Mm, uh, good question. I mean, I was just noticing in the news today that Suncor is celebrating some some great profits again. So yeah, to, to move past those legacy industries uh, would be a big problem. I mean, to... I think that's I think that's one of the issues we're just dealing with in general in Calgary is that polarization and the the idealized uh, the, the ideal the ideologies that have taken over um, various camps of thinking. I mean, when it comes right down to, it, we got to respect those tensions that exist in all of these different arenas and uh, bring people that represent those interests together to the same table instead of entrenching them on different lines and throwing grenades over top, right? Like um, we need to protect and we need to cheer on and we need to celebrate the fact when Suncor is making money again. But at the same time, we need to be ready and to and celebrate and to support and to create the, the best possible way forward for our emerging tech sector. Both of those things can happen at the same time and they should happen at the same time. And I think we're kind of stuck in this place of like, no, you got to fight for one or the other. Um, and I, I don't like that. I, I, I don't, I want to push like back you're either a that. green hippie or you're in the rigs and it's, you pick yeah. which battle like you want to be in. Why can't, and why we're can't in this we left in and right, left and right, right <laughs> yeah. and wrong. Yeah. Is there a way for this toxic culture, not just in city hall, but you know, what we're all seeing lately come to an end and just find some, some ground where we can all have some peace and understand individuals like you and I are chatting. I'm yeah. sure we have differences, 
but we can communicate. We don't have to see the left side or the right side to really make our decisions because that's already a decision that people make and they won't Mm -hmm. listen if you're a lefty or a righty. You know, it's an interesting time. It is interesting. Yeah, I think think leadership is key. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's amazing how the tone can be set. One of, one of the lessons I quickly learned in my neighborhood. So when I first moved into where I live right now in Mahogany, they had this thing called the volunteer committee where it was essentially this red carpet for anybody that wanted to make a difference and, and come in and get involved. You had access to a little bit of money from the homeowners association. So things were happening like a, a you know, grassroots gardening and grassroots um, event planning and uh, a youth group and a skating program. And, and it, to me, it's amazing when you set a culture, how it can snowball in the right direction. And I think that's one of the real issues that we're facing right now is the emergence of some really antagonistic politics. Um, like we're learning some lessons from places we shouldn't be. And unfortunately, it is moving people. It is convincing people um, that soundbite, um, get people angry out to vote kind of politics is, is entrenching itself even in Calgary. Uh, and we need to be cognizant of that. We need to be aware of that. And we need to push back against that mm-hmm. uh, and, and vote for candidates that are willing to have long form conversations and, and vote for candidates that aren't just career politicians with sound bites and willing to stoke antagonisms to get their votes. What are your thoughts on uh, this virtual way of doing things? I mean, obviously, I'm not in politics. I'm just an everyday citizen of Calgary that did this. What are your thoughts on creating something like this from a citizen standpoint that you know, I'm surprised our city didn't have something ready. Yeah. To be honest, yeah, I mean, right? The options here are, are almost endless, hey? Like when, when I think of the communication gaps that currently exist, I think technology is here to address and can address many of them. Um, I, I'm, I'm really encouraged to see various um, already sitting councillors using it, right? Uh, I know Kara had a two-hour uh, town hall on the, the guidebook. Um, I've seen Davison use this to mm-hmm. good effect um, to talk about various things that are happening in the city. I, I think this is this is the future, right? This is that uh, you can reach far more people um, virtually than you can face to face, but you can't replace face to face. I'm definitely of the stripe that you can't completely do away with that. And when COVID's done, I'm back in coffee shops and I'm back. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, I have another right. mic set up yeah. right here in the studio. But in a way, you know, I've imagined us trying to schedule this in today. Hey, Evan, can you come by? Say there was no pandemic. It would just, yeah. hey, Zach, I can. Can I come at this hour? And now it's just, we can live our lives and move on after a conversation. That's the beauty really? here. I think yeah. what's going to be really cool is to see a virtual debate on this. Would you ever be interested with your ward on a debate on a platform? Yeah, bring it, bring it on. Let's do it. Yeah, I'll, see, that's moving that. forward in, in yeah. tech. Do you believe technology the renewable energy sector are going to replace oil and gas or not replace, maybe become our dominant force. I mean, I kind of hope so. I mean, the, that experiment of, of burning carbon and, and filling our atmosphere from it with it is, I mean, I think we're seeing increasingly. So this is a bad long-term experiment. Um, So I sure hope we can find new ways uh, of moving forward, but at the same time, like we also we also need to recognize and remember just how well run our oil field is compared to many other places in the world. So 
Uh, Go some feel, of the cleanest oil. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like there's a tension there, right? Like that's one of those healthy tensions in life that we, uh, instead of polarizing and choosing one or the other and lining up to throw grenades over top, like we, we need, we need to be able to see the nuances that exist in between those two kind of opposing views. Um, but yeah, I sure hope that uh, clean is more our future energy uh, path than, than the, than the former. No, for sure. I feel like it's, uh, we've got like a ball and chain on our, our province and yeah. <laughs> we're trying to move forward, but there's like this group of people are like, no, stay, stay where we <laughs> yeah. are supposed to be. Yeah, totally. Yeah. 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 What are your thoughts on our current city art? And are we going to continue to make those mistakes again, where we purchase international art, such as a blue ring? Or those <laughs> rocks and iron rods. Oh man, that blue ring. So I, I used to live in the North Central Corridor. That, that was my stomping ground. So I, I remember driving down. What area were you in? I, I used to live in uh, like uh, Harvest Hills. Oh yes, in okay. yeah. Yeah, kind of Gondex stomping grounds yes. right now. Um, and I remember driving down Deerfoot and, and seeing that thing for the first time and just being like, what in the, I had no idea what it was, where it came from. And then when it hit the news, it was like, I don't know. You can do nothing but shake your head. So, I mean, I would sure hope that when it comes to public art, yeah, we'll keep it local <laughs> for sure. I mean, if we're going to invest that kind of money, which I think we should, like there, the Peace Bridge is a perfect example. We should be looking at opportunities for us to create um, iconic pieces of art that like when you see it, you immediately place it within a proximity with, like I, I got the privilege of going and visiting Seattle and, and going around to some of their neighborhoods. Um, and I mean, they had neighborhood stuff in its heyday was popping up everywhere. Oh, I don't know if you're it. familiar with the Fremont troll. It's this concrete troll underneath an, an overpass. That's the down to underneath, like it's the underground of Seattle. Is that what that is? Yeah, it's not, it's, it's underneath an overpass. Um, okay. And they, you know, they had all kinds of issues with drug activity and a variety of other things. And the community came up with a solution that they wanted to put this Fremont troll underneath. And so they, they fundraised, they got grants, they mobilized the neighborhood. And this thing, people fly to go visit this Fremont troll underneath this overpass. It's, it's amazing. It's, it turned a, it turned this like dark, like, uh, you know, homeless camp into a, a piece of art and a piece of culture and a place to go visit. Um, and I think Calgary needs more of that. Like that's, especially when you go somewhere else and then you come back. Uh, I know that's one of the things I feel like that we need to continue to unleash Calgarians in their ability to be creative and, and create a sense of ownership of where they live. And, and it, whether it's a, you know, a, a pride mural underneath, um, again, a, a, an overpass, like that, that, that is iconic. Now, you know, that, that, uh, you, you know, where that is in Calgary, right? The Peace Bridge, you know, where that is in Calgary. I would love to see more of that pop up, but I certainly don't think we need to spend multi-millions of dollars and import stuff from Germany to do that. Mm -hmm. What is something that you have that your competitors don't have? It's good. Good question. I think ultimately what, what I what will separate me from from those that I'm vying for, the vying against is is the fact that uh, I kind of come at life from from glass half full, and and I'm I'm not I'm not scared of the softer touches of organizing a city. So when it when you when you think of when you think of what makes politics good, when when politics is happening the way it should, it's activating people. 
it's giving them a sense of like, that's, that's our guy or that's our girl um, that is help, you know, being our voice and coming, coming to our town halls and listening to us. And I, I feel I can do that. Um, I, I, can, I certainly can't do it perfectly. Nobody can. Um, but I feel I could do that. And I think I can do that really well. I have a track record. Mm-hmm. And, and again, this is, this is what I've done for the past five to six years in my neighborhood. The, people aren't going to have to force this from me. I, I genuinely want to help people uh, create, a, create a sense of ownership with where they live. And, and I think you have, for me, I want to start at that granular level. I, I know I'm going to have to deal with budgets, uh, you know, mid-cycle evaluations. I know I'm going to have to stand, go on standing policy committees and all these other things. And that's going to be a steep learning curve. I mean, the last year I've learned a ton. I have a long way to go. But, but I, I'm going to start at the block level with people and, and really get to know my greater ward so that they have a sense that that's, that's our guy. Um, that really listens to us and really spends the time and does the work to understand his constituents before he goes and votes on fluoride or whatever it may be. I appreciate your vulnerability. I think it shows your neighbor. It shows you being a real human being. We don't see that often. And like you said, I might not know all of this, but I'm willing to learn and work with people that do understand. A lot of times in council, we have individuals think they know it all. And they don't, showing vulnerability is a sign of weakness. I think this moves the ball forward. This moves our conversation forward as what we want Calgary to be. We want to say, hey, you know what? I don't understand this. I'll ask for help. Mental health is at an all time. Substance abuse is on the rise, uh, whether it's drugs or alcohol. What can we do? And what do you expect to do as a counselor, if you're chosen, for Calgarians that are struggling? Because people are tired, they're exhausted. There's no hope, yeah. let's say that, to be honest. The reality is we could say this is, um, we're living in a fairy tale, but we're not. If you go into downtown Calgary, it's a zombie land. Um, there's chaos, there's no jobs. Yeah, yeah, I mean, at risk of sounding overly optimistic, I want to help Calgarians walk that path from, from just surviving to thriving. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can do that in, in various little um, smaller steps and in, in much, much bigger steps. So at the, small, at the small level, the granular level, I think ultimately, I mean, something like Neighbor Day, <laughs> like as, as small as that seems, when a street connects and gets to know each other and, and genuinely feels like they're interconnected, that they're, that they're raising each other's kids, that they, they have a sense of trust, I mean, the, the amount of beauty and capacity that you can bring forth at the block level, right, where people don't have to go enter the healthcare system because they're finding the listening ear and the compassion and the care that they need with the people right around them. So I'd start there at the small level. And then at, at, the, at the upper level of it, I think of the work that's just been done um, and, and even someone like uh, Evan uh, Woolley is saying, like, who's going to champion this, you know, the connect the dots, the mental health strategy moving forward. And I'd say, I will, like, I, I don't know exactly what that's going to look like, but I know it's, it's important. Um, I, and as I've gone through um, and, and read some of the, the document and, and listened in and committee, uh, I, I feel like they've done some really great work, especially because they started with interacting with the people that live in, in Calgary. It's not just a top-down strategy, like here's what House City Council thinks, 
we need to solve this problem. They went out and they asked people um, working for in the nonprofit sector and in communities and said, here, help us understand how we can unravel this issue and begin to affect the kind of change that we want. So I would absolutely be aligning on that strategy and looking to push that forward and get the most out of it. Just to end off here, Councillor Candidate Evan Spencer, what would you leave as a message to Calgarians as to why they should vote for you? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work hard. I'm going to listen. Uh, I'm going to make sure that uh, when when I'm voting on something that I'm I've I'm bringing the voices of the people in my ward as best as possible, uh, and ultimately I think people should vote for me because uh, I believe in a better tomorrow. Uh, I I believe that we can get through these problems, and I don't feel like I need to blame a whole bunch of people on that route. Uh, I think I think we can get there building on our strengths and not just pointing at all of the, the things that we've done wrong along the way. People often say you need to be, we need people right now more than ever to be brash and as a politician, <laughs> yeah. we need the tough guys who, you know, to get us through out of this. We need the really angry, I'm like, what the heck? I don't think we need that. <laughs> like, we need some chill people in here to say, okay, well, guys, we get it. Like, you know. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> no, we need, yeah, we need people to bring people together, not, not push them apart. No. Yeah. Thank you so much again, Evan, for this. I know yeah, it's the last minute, but we did it. it. Yeah.